It is finished are the final words we have from Jesus. He has been bound, interrogated, and publicly humiliated. He has been stripped, flogged, and mocked. They have drawn his blood, stuck him repeatedly, and painfully tortured him. They have nailed him to a cross, pierced his hands and his feet, and declared him deserving of the death of a criminal. There were flies swarming around his wounds, and he could not catch a glimpse of a single disciple. The final thing to touch his mouth was the acidity of sour wine, leaving him with a bitter flavor of the human experience. There was nothing left that his body could possibly do. Good Friday begs an important question that we avoid most other days of the year. In the words of one theologian, are we willing to be a part of the story, even if it is not a rescue story, even if in many ways it's a sad story? It is finished. John's gospel tells us this was the final phrase Jesus uttered on the cross. But this one simple phrase contains a multitude of meanings. Perhaps it brings to mind the completion of a dissertation. Finished. Or the finality of an academic semester for which finished can often feel better than good. Finished. The job application must be finished before it is submitted and the waiting begins. Finished. The declaration of having finished the Christmas shopping or preparations for the birthday celebration might bring with it feelings of great relief. Oh, finished. This phrase can also be used to mark the end of a relationship. We're really finished now. Finished. The marathon wasn't pretty, but it's over. Finished. The sentence has been served, and I've been released from prison. Finished. There are many uses for the meaning of this ordinary word in our daily life. Truthfully, this word from John has never sat well with me because it's not how the story was supposed to end. Surely, there's meant to be a bit of irony in this choice of words. I mean, this child was greeted by a host of heavenly angels. A dove descended from heaven to name him as God's beloved son five days ago. We've recounted his triumphal procession into the city, flanked by palm branches and glorious cries of Hosanna. I can think of a host of other words that would better capture what has just taken place on the cross. Failure, disappointment, injustice, cruelty, devastation, betrayal. But finished? I wonder what this word finished means. In this context, what is finished by Friday afternoon? It seems obvious to say that the Jesus I learned about in Sunday school is finished. The long-haired, Caucasian, sandal-wearing shepherd is nowhere to be found. The scene at the cross certainly does not coincide with the images of Jesus cradling a sheep while flanked by little children. Absent is the Jesus of much praise music, declaring Jesus as present and faithful as a boyfriend. The Jesus of kumbaya circles, peace movements, and camp songs is noticeably absent today. There's nothing comforting or companionable about this horrific, violent, and public death scene. The Jesus we introduce to our youngest children 
is finished on Good Friday. Finished. Any traditional hopes of Jesus as a conqueror are also finished. The Jesus who was used as a puppet throughout the Inquisition and colonial expansion of the church is nowhere to be found. He's been put on trial against menial local government officials and found guilty. The expectations of a mighty Lord who could subdue the world's most evil powers are extinguished on a cross. Any strength that was found in Jesus is marked as insufficient. As it turns out, there's a great deal that cannot be conquered by the one they thought was here to make life better. Finished. The cross also abolishes any notion of Jesus as a model citizen. Using Christianity as the basis for model citizenship is derailed on the cross. What Jesus demonstrates is certainly not how one would advise either living or dying for law-abiding citizens. Jesus interrogates, avoids, and then confronts those with authority throughout his life and ministry. There is a clear Christian ethic that can be taught from Jesus' example, but it is often in direct conflict with local commitments. Jesus is an excellent citizen of God's kingdom, but not of any earthly principalities. Finished. The Jesus of convenience, prosperity, or any sort of formulaic equation is finished at the cross. The prosperity gospel is not, in fact, a narrative that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ, but a creative form of proof texting that serves to manipulate unsuspecting people into church membership and financial commitments. There is much to be gained from following Christ, but there is no promise of material flourishing to be found. The Jesus who invokes shame for less than perfect behavior requires a certain number of formulaic recitations per day or manual acts of sacrifice that are completely unattached to meaning for the faithful cannot survive what happens on the cross. Two parts grace plus one part confession does not equal a seat in heaven. There is nothing easy or formulaic to be found in Jesus Christ. Finished. The Jesus who most conveniently endorses all of our ideas of what the church is meant to look like does not survive the cross. Jesus had difficult conversations with those who were closest to him and with those who knew nothing about him. Jesus wasn't interested in traditional metrics of success or repeat events that yield high rates of new members. Jesus was not concerned about how you got to him, only that you came Jesus had no time to waste making sure folks had thoroughly studied what they were signing up for. He just wanted to make sure they got fed. At the foot of the cross, Jesus' primary concern is for those whom he loves. Seeing his mother, who represents all of Israel, all of God's beloved, he connects her to the disciple whom he loved, who represents the church. At the foot of the cross, Jesus could care less about the idea of success for an institution and only about how they will continue to to be with and to care for one another. Finished. The assertion that Jesus belongs specifically to Christians is also finished at the cross. Jesus spent the majority of his ministry building relationships with Gentiles. There was not a boundary he didn't cross, those of geographic, religious, custom-based, institutional, gendered, or political significance, any mechanism for gatekeeping that we've since devised is an affront 
to the Jesus who hangs on the cross. Everything he taught and embodied was that God's love was more expansive, more generous, and more present than we ever could have imagined. The religion who spouts anti-Semitic, homophobic, classist, racist, denominationally oriented rhetoric dies at the foot of the cross. Finished. Perhaps the most obvious finality we encounter at the cross is the frailty of the human body. Jesus does not leap down at the last minute to declare himself stronger than anyone suspected. His pulse has ceased. His lungs no longer provide him with the breath he needed, and he hangs in defeat. His suffering is unavoidable. Sam Wells writes, We wonder how this awful spectacle can possibly be necessary for our salvation. We're supposed to wonder that. We wonder whether this tiny, broken, wasted body can possibly be the body of God. We're supposed to wonder that. We wonder how any joy, any hope, any glory can possibly emerge from this hideous catastrophe. We're supposed to wonder that. We wonder why God doesn't utterly reject us after we've shown the very worst that we can do. We're supposed to wonder that. All of those wonderings should be part of our faith, our imagination, our daily prayer, and our compassionate hearts. But all, for all our wondering and pondering, one thing is utterly clear. When we see the pain, when we feel the grief, when we look upon the loneliness, when we touch the wounds, when we hear the cries, we know. We know that God will go to any lengths for us. God will never be separated from us, that loving us is written into God's DNA, and that there's no part of God that has any desire to be except to be with us. That is the embodiment, that Jesus is the embodiment of the way God's destiny is wrapped up in us forever. Any other notion of God, any other speculation about God's wishes, any other idea about what lies at the heart of God is gone over, dispelled, finished, Wells writes. The truth is that there is much that is finished on the cross on Good Friday, but it is not by any means a sad story. Good Friday is our opportunity to let go of the companionable, sing-songy Savior our hopes of a mighty conqueror, our illusions of a model citizen, our quest for an attainable, prosperous equation, our obsession with a leader who focuses on metrics of success, or a gatekeeper who was, who was concerned about perpetual survival. If we can see past all of the ways in which we've managed to conveniently co-opt the narrative, we're left with the very heart of God, laid bare. And if we can get close enough, if we can bear to listen to the piercing silence left in the wake of Jesus' death, it's possible that we'll hear the most important words ever uttered. I promise our time together is just beginning.